One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. You're very welcome along to this special bonus edition of the Group Chat Podcast from Virgin Media News. I'm political correspondent Gavin Riley, joined in studio by news correspondent Zara King. Zara, hello. hello. And Richard Chambers. Richard, hello. Yeah. Uh, we got really good feedback to last week's uh, special bonus episode, so we thought we might just try the format again and have a longer chat with someone who's got a quite interesting story to tell. And there's one story which has been quite prominent in the news this week, and that's the news that uh, those who participate in ladies football and camogie and who are in the middle of their All-Ireland Championships at the moment say that they're going to participate in the rest of the championships under protest because of their concerns at the way in which female Gaelic Games players are treated, particularly uh, in by comparison to their male counterparts and the general state of the conditions in which they're forced to take part in their games. Uh, delighted to say uh, that one of the people that was at the forefront of that protest this week is with us in studio. We're joined by Ashling Marr, who's the captain of the Dublin Senior Camogie team. Ashling, thanks for joining us. Uh, great to have you in because um, this is something which, which has really sort of grown a lot of legs this week. So we're delighted to give you some time to be able to talk about it um, in more detail. Let's just go straight to basics first of all though you're going to be playing under protest what exactly does that mean? Yeah that's probably the most common question so (laughs) far I think Um, I guess basically what it means is that look obviously we've arrived at championship time now it's a serious important time of the year for everybody huge amount of energy effort commitment time dedication to get you know players management coaches association alike to championship time and the last thing we want to do now is start protesting missing games pulling from games anything like that but as you alluded to there at the start you know we have gotten to a point where we just feel circumstances can't continue the way that they are something has to be changed something has to be done so um, I suppose us playing under protest is effectively like a warning to Camogie, LGFA, the GAA that we will not continue to play under the circumstances that we're in and that we will escalate to a higher level of protest if, if they don't address it. So what are the circumstances that you're in then really without trying to get too much into the weeds of it effectively what what are your grievances about the way that you're treated? Yeah so I guess basically for people who might not be aware for any male players who play within the GAA um, they're given something called a player charter at the start of the year which kind of outlines the basic minimum standards that they will be guaranteed if they play any level of senior intercounty so this is not dependent on level of ticket sales level of attendance at your matches whether you play with the Dublin footballers or whether you play with you know one of the lower division hurling teams that, that are unknown um, you will get the same treatment, the same provisions from the government. So that comes down to things like a nutrition allowance every week. Uh, I think it's a 70 cent um, rate of expenses for every mile travelled to and from training or matches. Um, you know, you're guaranteed to have physio, doctor access, all this sort of stuff, basic medical care mm. um, on the pitch and off the pitch. And it basically ensures that you won't be out of pocket for playing for your county. So as we all know, the men don't get paid or anything like that. It's obviously an amateur sport, but it ensures that it's not costing them to pay for their county. Um, we don't have anything like that in the LGFA mm. or in Camogie. So for us as female players, it is an expense. It's a huge expense for us to play with our county. So just to be clear, you've nothing, no expenses at all, nothing is covered. So the way that it has always worked is we have had no expenses from LGFA or Camogie. About two years ago, the GPA, who's our Gaelic Players Association, mm. went and lobbied with the government to ensure that we got 
a separate form of expenses, which is basically called a government grant that comes directly from the government. Uh, we got it for the first time during COVID to kind of cover the additional expenses because we weren't allowed to carpool, we weren't allowed to get buses down the country. So our expenses went through the roof of that course, year. Yeah. So we got that for the first time two years ago. And that basically worked out at about 700 euro for it depended on where you were and where you're traveling. And that was a one-off payment in December. And that was given... To cover the whole season? To cover the whole season. Okay. That was given as a, it's available this year and we don't know whether or not it'll be available next year. So we've had it now for two years and each time we get it, it's obviously a back payment that's, you know, needless to say, a fraction of the cost mm-hmm. of uh, petrol and nutrition and physio expenses and everything else. Um, and it's given in that year and approved for that year, but there's no guarantee that we'll have it going forward. So the men would get that and then get their expenses in this charity that I'm speaking about from the GAA as well. Uh, a lot of them would also get expenses from their county board if the county board can afford it. Um, so we're a million miles behind where they are. So mm. basically what we want to do is uh, the LGFA and Camogie and the GAA have voted their membership players, everybody has voted from the ground up that they want to move towards integration. So for people who aren't aware, the GAA is a separate organisation that represents the male players. LGFA is for female footballers and Camogie obviously is Camogie players. Mm-hmm. So the three organisations have agreed that they will merge, that they will integrate and come together. Um, but what that's going to look like and how long that's going to take is anybody's guess. So, you know, it's so far it's been about 18 months. Um, there's an integration committee which is chaired by Mary McAleese, obviously a great appointment and, you know, uh, brilliant to have her there steering that committee. But they've said that they're in a listening phase until 2024. So, from that, we can assume that this is not going to be a quick process. There's a lot of boards that have to be integrated. There's a lot of positions that have to be negotiated, who's going to occupy them, what it's going to look like, what the split will be across the three associations. This is going to be a long process. I'm 27 now, and if this happens before I retire, I think it'll be, you know, yeah, an achievement. Right. So we can't wait as players until that integration happens before we see equality in the way the female players are treated versus the male players. We need this player charter implemented for female players before that integration process is complete. And as- a player on the pitch, I just want to know, like, how does it actually make you feel knowing this? Like, what impact does it have on the morale on the team? Yeah, so this was what we kind of were trying to, um, I guess, get across on, on, on Monday when we came up with this uh, media uh, protest as such to kind of get our perspective across. It very much depends on the player and the team that you're playing with. So we met as senior players when we were when we were uh, talking on Monday, but we were represented in our junior and our inter colleagues as well. And, you know, I'm fortunate enough to be playing Dublin Camogie at the moment. We're sponsored uh, across the board. AIG sponsored the four codes. Um, we also have a very good chairman in place, Carlo O'Brien, who does a huge amount of work to try and make sure that our circumstances are as similar as they can be to our male counterparts. Um, they're still they're still not on par through n- none of their faults. You know, we just we just don't have the same resources. But for a lot of the female teams, especially if you go down to the likes of um, you know the inter and the junior teams, they're in circumstances where they can't get access to pitches if they are playing on pitches you know there's girls on in some of the intergroup saying they're covered in rabbit holes they've had a girl go out and do an ACL because the pitch is just not suitable to be playing on these are pitches that the men have just refused to use and that's why they're available to female teams you have teams who down the country might not have physios at their training so if mm. you're picking up an injury you know you could be sitting on the sideline with an ankle balloon and nobody there to look at it waiting for um, somebody else to drive you to hospital afterwards waiting for yeah. somebody else to drive you to hospital and then footing the bill for that yourself because you know you're now yeah, at a public hospital or gone to a GP or wherever you are to try and get someone to look at it. Um, So the cost of these things are huge, especially for girls who are down, maybe living somewhere else in the country and could be in college in Dublin and they're travelling 
up and down to Dublin for training sessions. Obviously, the cost of living crisis is mm. yeah. gone through the roof at the minute and that expense for girls in college is just unsustainable. This is the issue we saw with Calvin Ladies Football very yeah. recently mm-hmm. where, you know, they had a situation where there's girls carpooling up and down to Dublin and just cannot afford to put fuel in their car three or four times a week to get back for training. And for the captains and for the GPA reps and those teams, they're dealing with young girls coming to them saying, I can't afford to get there. Like, I don't have the money to put this fuel in my car to get down. And, you know, for me, the big issue that we have with that is we're now getting into the realms of socioeconomic factors affecting who can and can't play for their county. And that to me is just fundamentally wrong. You know, if you are talented enough to play with your first team mm-hmm. in your county in ladies football or in Camogie, whether or not your parents can afford to be giving you a loan for car tax insurance, petrol, mm. yeah. is not the factor that should determine whether or not you get to represent your county. And it is, it's the national games. These are the national games and you see the amount of money that is, as you say, is available to male players through the GAA. Um, even people who are third level, you see the, like, the level of resources which go into the Sigerson Cup and whatnot in terms of, you know, inter-college, you know, Gaelic games, but as well then an inter-county level. It's a huge difference in terms of what's available to female players. And that just seems like such a, an obviously sexist split down gender lines on this. You talked about, you know, the inavailability of physios, um, the dangerous, almost almost dangerous level of pitches and the, the poor level of, of, of surfaces there. You've had your own issues with injury as well. I mean, when you see other players who are now still having to go through potential injuries or through big injuries themselves, and it's effectively forcing them out of the game or putting them out of pocket. How does that make you feel? Yeah, um, I, I think, you know, like that's not something that players should even have to consider. Yeah. You know, you shouldn't be going out into pitch, obviously going out and playing any form of sport, especially something like, you know, hurling where it's contact and there's a lot going on is is a risk. But a risk you shouldn't be considering is the quality of the ground that you're playing on mm. or a risk that you shouldn't be considering is whether or not you're going to get medical attention in time if you, you know, end up getting a bad knock to the head and you've, you've symptoms of concussion. You know, you don't want somebody who's, who's not qualified making a call as to whether or not you can drive home or have to go to hospital or something like that. We need to have uh, medical professionals available to players when they're in those circumstances and just because you're playing with a team who happens to be competing in Division 2 or Division 3 um, doesn't mean that you should be excluded from having those kind of resources. You know, and even even some of the girls we were speaking to on Monday who are playing in, in Division 1 teams, you know, senior sides mm, yeah. um, are still not having those resources available to them at every training and every match. So they're still training and they might, they might be training on very good grounds and the surfaces aren't a problem there, but that they're still training without there being medics around yeah. in case someone yeah. stumble. Yeah, like a, a lot of the girls that we spoke to on Monday and, you know, this is this is one of the issues is that people say all the time you know circumstances are improving for female sports and female sports players and, and they are but like we, I spoke to one of the other captains on Monday who was saying you know things are much better for us now than they used to be we have a physio at least once a week at training hmm. and mm-hmm. you know for, like, for one that's, session yeah. that's, that, that's, that should not be a positive you mm. know we should not be settling for that um, and you know look like I said thankfully at Dublin at the minute that's that's not an issue we have we do have a physio at every single session um, but like presently we don't have access to a team doctor and mm. you know I, we've never had a team doctor um, so it's not where it needs to be and you know that's not through any fault of, of our county board or you know our management team they're, they're dealing with what they have but we just don't have enough but resources who, who is at fault then? Well the funding isn't coming down um, is it the government issue? No, well no it's the Camogie Association mm. um, and specifically you know if you're going to say the resources of the Camogie Association which are limited which they are to mm. a certain extent. Now, I do think they can probably give teams a bit more than they are. But even at that, we've now agreed that GAA and LGFA and Camogie are going to come under one umbrella, that mm. we're all going to be one Gaelic Games family and that female players will be represented by the GAA. 
you know, as I mentioned earlier, that's going to be a long process. It's going to take a long time. But at some point, the GAA are going to have to foot the bill for, for these things. Mm. At the moment, the GAA's turnover is in around 150 million a year. I think 5% of that goes to male player expenses. So this is not a situation where 50 million is being spent to pay mm. the wages of male players. Mm. And we're now looking to take some of that off mm. them. Mm. You know, there's a small percentage that covers their expenses. An even smaller percentage of that would cover female players' expenses. So for, for as long as you're not getting those expenses then and obviously you can only speak as a Dublin footballer mm-hmm. or a Dublin Camogie player and, and it's different for people who are in other parts of the country how much are you ultimately out of pocket by the fact that you don't have this minimum level of reimbursement even for your mileage yeah yeah I, I wouldn't even want to know mm-hmm. um, I know the GPA did a bit of a study there with a couple of players who uh, were at varying levels of travel one of them is Fiona McHale who's um living in Tip based in Tip she's working down there and she's travelling up to up to Mayo and like she was out of pocket thousands over the course of a couple of months yeah. where mm-hmm. they just literally looked at it for I like three it. months mileage alone you know and there's like there's any number of players who are travelling uh, inter-county for work or for college especially when you go outside of Dublin even within Dublin like you know for a good while there we were training across in Crumlin I'm based in Santry so I'm going through town for that so you could be an hour each way in the car mm-hmm. yeah. you know like you'd easily be putting 50 quid petrol a week into the car just to cover training mm-hmm. um, and then if, girls, and if you had a medical mishap then the bills for all of that and rehab and physio and everything else that's all on yeah, you. Yeah, well, you're 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 at the you know you're subject to whatever county you're in, whatever county board you're in, you know whatever benefits they they can or can't afford to give you. We were now again, it's one of the things that Carl has been very good for us with at Dublin. You know, he has made sure that we're personally not out of pocket for those expenses. But I was speaking to one of the girls in Clare, Chloe Moore. He yeah. spoke, I know, um, openly about the fact that she's had both her knees done and she was reimbursed for fifty percent of them. You're looking at several hundred there, you know, as an expense. Yeah. So mm. it's 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 not even just a medical thing though, because I mean, I was shocked during the week when I was sort of reading some of the feedback from from some of the you know the coverage of this and I talk about you know camogie and football players having to go into lifestyle or into elderly sports to buy club crest or county crest gear which what? isn't being supplied supplied to them. That's insane to me. Yeah. I think actually even what you said even about the fact that obviously Hang on a second. Inter- you mean they don't get given the jerseys with the crest? A lot on of them, them aren't given training gear with county jersey yeah. or county yeah. crest. Tripping on. over them, they can't get rid of the stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and for like fifty players, like you yeah. know, I'd see the lads walking around. Surely that is like really basic stuff. Yeah, you know? yeah. But it is. But this is the problem. This is what's wrong with it. Is, yeah. Is is that you know stuff that people would actually believe is already taken care of? I think there's a point worth reflecting on the fact that you said obviously there's going to be integration between all the associations. But at the moment, there doesn't seem to be any, like GA isn't responsible whatsoever for funding Ladies Gaelic Games, which mm-hmm. seems like something I don't think people would actually be all that aware of, given the, the amount of work which has been done at club and even county board level by women in administrative roles. And they're not actually even being put onto committees in terms of running the organisation as well, yeah. which is really, really poor. One thing as well, actually, I want to ask you about this because... Um, Joe Caulfield, who was down at the briefing on Monday, he he raised this with me after speaking to one of the one one of the women involved. He said that, or she said to him that obviously there's a lot of camogie and football players who now go into primary schools to try and encourage girls to stick with sport. Mm-hmm. And one of the girl, one of the women said that she feels like a fraud saying that mm-hmm. to girls at this point in time that everything's rosy in terms of ladies' sports. You know, the football team is off to the World Cup. Rashid Adelake is our best, mm-hmm. the most exciting thing to happen in Irish sport in the years. Do you feel like that in some way? Is that something which you'd fear from other people as well? Yeah, look, it's definitely something that I'm conscious of in trying to make this issue, you know, be something that we focus on right now. It's it's one of the reasons that 
we are deciding to put a push on this despite the fact that we're you know in the middle yeah. of championship championship week this week uh, I don't think any of us would have foreseen our championship week being spent bringing Talk these kind this. of media yeah. Issue, yeah. issues to the front but it, it, it is something that I think we as a collective feel we have an obligation to do is to try and improve these standards for players coming up you know like I'm looking at young girls coming onto our team now if we don't insist that these issues get sorted before integration is a thing and b- before you know they're proposing that they look at them at the moment I don't think that I think there'll be whole players that play careers from from starting now and until when they finish. You know, players playing careers are short. There'll be whole players that go through careers and never see equality. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, yes, it is something that I'm conscious of when you're speaking to younger players coming up. It's something that I hope you know when I go down and you know I was down uh, with a bunch of players yesterday who were kind of. 13, 14, 15 years of age, I sincerely hope by the time they're playing senior, it'll be a much more equal playing field than it presently is. But I think Mm. unless we're vocal and stand up over these issues and bring these issues to the front, they won't be resolved. And it's kind of a point that you touched on earlier. It just seems like the situation right now is one that uh, is now slowly making the sport only something accessible to people who have the means and the funds to actually do it. That people who um, perhaps can't afford, as you say, to fill their car or to go in and buy. I'm horrified about this, buying the jersey, the stack like, and, yeah. and putting it on themselves. I mean, I just think it's, but it means that you're completely isolating and eliminating a whole cohort of very talented, possibly players from getting into the game. Yeah, 100%. And for me, that fundamentally goes against the principles of the GAA. And I'm obviously yeah. saying the GAA, meaning LGFA, Camogie and the GAA here, because you know, the whole idea is of the Gaelic Games that, you you know, you come down on a Saturday morning and you look at things like horse riding gymnastics that are, you know, exclusion, exclusionary towards people who don't have yep. finances and resources. Mm-hmm. The GAA is supposed to fundamentally not be like that. I remember as a kid, we used to go in to Camogie train and your mum would give you two euro to, you know, pay the ref or pay your subs or whatever mm. it was. And that's the whole idea that it was, you know, accessible, that it was including everybody and that, you know, it was an opportunity to really integrate with your community where everybody would be there. You know, all the coaches are volunteers at a young age, uh, managers, so much time is put in from an administrative, a coaching and managing perspective in the GAA on a voluntary basis that that is what we're about and that's you know one thing that I'm really proud of in the GAA and I think it's something that other sports in other countries look at from outside and, and, and admire a better organisation mm-hmm. but unfortunately if we don't get to an opportunity where we're ensuring that our best players aren't out of pocket we will continue to, to, to leak players who aren't in a position where they can afford to play the game and, and that is that is just fundamentally wrong to me yeah. you know mm-hmm. especially when you see the money which is in Gaelic Games at the moment. I mean, it's obviously been that controversy about GAA Go and the amount of money which is coming in from that as well. But um, obviously it is Pride Weekend and we are talking about representation as well as equality in sport. Obviously there's a huge work in terms of visibility, in terms of LGBTQ plus, you know, players and involvement in Gaelic Games. But do you think there is more to be done? I mean, is it enough that there is a little bit of visibility there now? Is it enough that the GPA will be there, you know, in Dublin at the Pride March? Or is, you know, there more work to be done through Gaelic Games? Yeah, I think there's 100% more work that needs to be done. Uh, I think there's always more that can be done. And uh, she's never quite weak, is it, when all this yeah. is going <laughs> on? <laughs> One thing to another. I switch across now. Um, yeah, look, I think we've come a long way. You know, I was uh, out there again. Uh, my own team, Dublin Camogie, have done great work in this over the last yeah. couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've, been, they've been huge supporters of, of myself 
myself and a number of the other girls on the team who are part of the LGBT plus community. We've had great representation. Uh, last year, the GPA held a pride breakfast. And I think it was effectively just a Dublin camogie breakfast. All the girls were there, <laughs> so, um, which was brilliant. And, you know, we went on to march with the GAA, LGFA, camogie and the GPA in uh, in the parade afterwards, which was, you know, a really, a really kind of... It's a landmark, it is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, yeah. this year again, we see super value coming in with the pride laces, um, which hopefully will get, you know, a huge number of players across all four codes wearing over the next uh, the next couple of weeks and probably beyond that as well with the amount of time it takes to put the laces in. I don't think anybody yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is yeah. great, you know, there's a benefit yeah. to that too. Um, yeah. But, you know, I think if we're going to be objective about the whole thing, I think there's definitely more we need to do. You know, I think this is one of the things, obviously, we've been talking about the fact that Camogie and the LGFA are behind in a lot of things in, in mm. regards to resources and provisions for players. I think this is one thing where we do edge the GAA a little sure. bit mm. in our kind of acceptance and our promotion of um, the LGBT plus community. Um, you know, Camogie have run a pride round for last year and again this year where over a couple of games players will, um, you know, choose to celebrate pride in whatever way they want Um last weekend we were wearing socks at training just pride socks at training and you know getting pictures with flags before games and just putting that message out there that this mm. is a, a time for us to mark the fact that we're an open inclusive team and that everybody is welcome in Dublin Camogie um, and I think the GAA can do more in that mm. regard mm. Um, in the way that they integrate just, uh, it Just your guys your survey from last year just for people just for their awareness like your subcommittee found that 69% of female players are aware of a LGBT plus teammate compared to just 10% of male players which is you know that's a minuscule number in terms of yeah. society. and look, you know, the GAA is, uh, is something that people choose to engage with and how much of their personal life they choose to mm. have on show is completely up to the individual and the player. Mm. But the reality of the situation is we don't presently have a single male player who is yeah. uh, openly out in the GAA. And while I don't think there should be an obligation on any male player to talk about their sexuality publicly if they don't want to, I also think that there's a bigger issue there. We need to reflect on ourselves as an association, as a playing body, and, you know, as a wider GAA society and ask ourselves that question of, well, we have multiple women who are publicly out within LGFA and Camogie, so why don't we have any men? What are we doing wrong? And what are we not um, What are we not doing to create the safe environment that they need to speak openly and to be out mm. and in, mm. in that public environment? Do you think um, female players have been more comfortable with, you know, being transparent and open about their sexuality even in the last, say, 10 years, that it's changed a lot even in 10 years. And you think maybe, you know, when you started out, when you were in your teens, kind of, you know, on the team, did you, I suppose it depends on your age really as well, but do you think that perhaps at uh, the last 10 years, good progress has been made in that front and that people do feel quite comfortable in being able to be open and, and honest and, and feel like they can be accepted within the team environment? Yeah, yeah, I do think huge progress has been made even over the last 10 years. Like, I don't think it's always been the case in LGFA and Camogie that it's been easy for people to come out and be out and I'm, only speaking for myself here I'm not suggesting that it's easy for for every female player mm. um, but I, I've seen huge strides over the last number of years and so much of that for me you know I kind of kind of when I reflect on it, it it's nearly amusing how much of that comes uh, I think from from us as out players and our ability to kind of um, be comfortable and be open in who we are and just create that opportunity for education for other people on mm -hmm. the panel mm. um, when I started playing with Dublin Camogie I didn't know of anybody on the panel who was who mm. was openly out yeah. um, despite the fact that there, there were girls on the team who were gay but they just maybe weren't open or speaking about it and um, I think for a lot of the straight girls on the team who are allies and who want to be allies they didn't really know what that looked like and they didn't really know what to say or what to do or mm. how to act mm -hmm. or how to behave and you know sometimes um that education piece is really important in just in just reassuring people of you know y you really 
need to create an easy way for them to show their allyship. So whether that's just wearing the laces or whether that's, you know, being able to stand in a picture and hold a pride flag and just, you know, put your arm around someone and, and, and be proud to be there mm-hmm. and beside them. Um, I think the easier we can make it for straight allies to support us, the better. Um, and I think that that role of straight allies, especially in the men's game at the moment when we don't have anybody mm-hmm. out, yeah. is so important. Yeah. The more yeah. we can include them and encourage them. Because look, much as some young lad who's coming up playing hurling down the country might take some minuscule amount of reassurance from seeing me speak about my sexuality that's not the sport he's going into that's Mm -hmm. not the environment he's going into when it's David Clifford I saw was involved with Super Value on their you know inclusivity and diversity campaign like that's Mm. fantastic that's brilliant if you're a young footballer growing up down the country questioning your sexuality or unsure whether or not the GAA is somewhere you want to be and you see a superstar like him. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like that's yeah. that's going to have so much more of an impact on, on his mm. ability to feel included and his ability to feel safe. Well, it's like you said, it's the overall theme, I think, of everything we've talked about today, that if Gaelic games are supposed to be egalitarian and they're supposed mm-hmm. to be a place for all, then there's obviously a lot of ways in which they aren't, but let's hope we're making progress on every front. Uh, thanks for dropping in to us. You've got Championship Action this weekend in Parnell Park against Parnell the All-Ireland Champions Kilkenny. To look with that. Um, yeah. I was going to kill me for that one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> last year. Uh, thanks so much for dropping into us so and much. best of luck with the campaign. Ashley thanks Mark, for thanks for joining us this week. for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.